What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing for their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was it not Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how we trust him, how we've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Amen. You may be seated. My wife, Amy, loves, uh, loves buttermints. Do you know what those buttermints are? She absolutely loves buttermints. Those are the, those are the mints that you get when you go to weddings. I, I'm, I'm halfway convinced the reason that she likes to go to weddings is so she can go and fill up her little plate completely full of those buttermints. We also have a restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants that we go to, and that after, mint, or after meal mint that they bring us is a buttermint. And we love going there. I, I don't know how good the food is, but she loves, she loves, absolutely loves going, uh, going there to that restaurant. And so as the waiter comes around and, and they offer us that, that uh, sweet yet minty, sugary, mint little thing, uh, whenever they, they hand me mine, uh, by the way, I like, I look, I like buttermints as well. I, I'm, I'm convinced that I don't like them quite as much as Amy, but when, that, when the waiter comes around and gives each one of us a buttermint, I will simply slide mine over to her. Why? Because I don't like buttermints? No. No. Why? Because I'm trying to get Amy to love me? No. Why? Be- because I'm trying to get her to continue to be married to me? No. No. I, I, I slide that, that buttermint over to her because I love her, not in order, and not in order to gain her love, but instead because I, I, love, I love her. 
Now, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that it took me so long this week to try to find an illustration of ways that I show my love to my, to my wife, uh, but we know how to love, show our love to our spouse, don't we? I mean, we know how, to, we know how to, to show our love to our spouse. We know that we don't do kind things for our spouse in order to, to earn their love. We know that we, we don't do that to earn their love. We, don't do, we, we do kind things to our spouse because we love them. Do you get that difference? Again, we do kind things to our spouse, not in order to earn their love, but we do kind things to a spouse because we love them. And we know how to love our spouse, don't we? I mean, we, we, we do kind things for them. We, um, we pick up after ourselves most of the time. I'll even pick up my dirty socks out of the middle of the floor. We do kind things for our family members and spouses. We know, we know how to do those things, don't we? We, we, know how to, we, know how to, we know how to love our friends. We know how to love our friends back, at least, don't we? Again, we do those things. We don't do those things so that we can earn our friend's love or to earn our children's love or to earn our spouse's love. We do those things because we love them and because they love us as well. I think this goes right to the very heart of what our concluding passage out of the book of James uh, is telling us and teaches us. Today we're, we're concluding this series on the, on the book of James, and James, more than any other book in the entire Bible, helps us to understand what faith is lived out in the flesh. It is faith in the flesh. You know, some people say they have faith, James tells us in our passage today, and really not just our passage today, but throughout the entire book, that if you say you have faith and you don't back it up by a life change, you don't have faith at all. It's not real faith at all. And so we've been looking at all of these instructions that James has uh, for those early Christians, and I believe, I believe that really the, the, the final, uh, the, the main thrust of this book really comes in these verses that Chris read for us um, a few minutes ago. The book of James has not, not always been a popular, a popular book. It was Martin Luther, the great reformer that called James, he called this an epistle of straw. He thought, he thought it was so weak that he had even included it in the appendix of his Bible. He didn't include it in the text of his Bible. He stuck it on into the appendix of the Bible. He called it an epistle of, of straw. He didn't consider it worthy being included in our Bible throughout most, much of his life. And the reason, the reason for that was because in Luther's, in Luther's time in the church, you literally could earn your way to heaven according to what you gave to the church. It was called pain and indulgence. At this time, they were raising funds to, uh, to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And so throughout the, for, throughout the Roman church, they were asking for donations, and they even, some, some were even saying that if you gave the church enough money, you could earn your way, or even better yet, you could earn the way of your loved ones out of purgatory. If you just simply gave the church enough. Others were teaching that if you had enough works of mercy, you could earn your way into heaven. If you just were good enough, God would finally love you. 
they said. And so, along came James. <laughs> along came James and started talking about, about, about works alongside faith. Some people even have that same thought today, that you can earn your way into heaven. They, they, have, they have this thought that God is, is like, uh, is, is like the, the Lady of Justice. You've seen her. Here's a picture of the Lady of Justice. She's wearing a, a, she's, she's wearing a, a blindfold across her eyes, and, and on one hand she she's, uh, has a scale, and, and on one side of the scale is the bad, and on the other side of the scale is, is the good, and she is there weighing the good and the bad, and whichever weighs out the most that's which will win. That's what will, that's what will win. And some people have this idea that God is like that lady of justice. He is judging, he is putting on the scales when you come and meet him face to face. He's going to put on those scales all the good things that you have done in your life. He's going to pile up all of those works of mercy. But then on the other side of the scale, he's going to pile up all of the bad things that you've done. And some people have this idea that God will be there and God will be there and you will be judged by what you did. You will be judged whether whether the, the good outweighs the bad or not. And whichever wins out, the good or the bad, will determine your fate for eternity. And it will be dependent upon upon your works. But Martin Luther and other reformers came along and said, no, that's, that's not it at all. That's, that's not how this whole thing works at all. They began to read the Apostle Paul. They began to read the book of Hebrews. And they realized that it's not works that saves us. It is faith alone. It is, it is by God's grace through faith. That is how we experience salvation. It is an absolute gift of God. It is not by works, Paul teaches us, lest anyone should boast. We cannot hear me now, we cannot earn our salvation, no matter how good we are. We cannot earn our salvation. Absolutely can't. And Martin Luther and the Reformers, they were very, they were very clear on that. They were very clear that we, that, that, that we are saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was because He came and lived among us and suffered for us and died for us even yet there on a cross. He died for you and for me. And that is how we experience salvation. And when God offers us when God offers us that salvation, our only, our only appropriate response is faith. But even faith itself is a gift of God. And so we understand. We understand that we are saved by grace through faith. However, however, in the early church, in the early church, this understanding of salvation by faith alone was beginning to, it was beginning to become confused just a little bit because these early Christians, they were all Jewish Christians, and they were coming out of a, of a, out of a mindset that in some sense you could earn your way into salvation. You could earn your way into heaven. If you simply abided by the rules, 
If you simply abided by the Ten Commandments, if you simply abided by the 360-some-odd other commandments in the Old Testament, if you abided by them all, then and only then would God accept you into his presence. And so they had this mindset, and they met Jesus Christ as Savior. And they found freedom. (laughs) They found absolute freedom. They came to recognize it's not about keeping the law. We're not, we're not uh, adopted as sons and daughters by God because we're good. No, we are adopted, by, uh, 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 we're adopted as sons and daughters of God because of God's grace. Why does God love us? Because we earn his love? No, never. God loves us because God is love. We are saved because God is grace. We are saved by grace through faith. And so these early Jewish Christians had come from a, from a works righteousness kind of understanding of faith, and now they've found all of this freedom, this newfound freedom. Have you ever known someone, maybe, maybe you knew someone in college that was raised in a really, really strict household? I had, a, I had a friend or, or two that was raised in an incredibly strict household. But then they got to college. Oh, boy. And the chains fell off. And they were the ones that began to party more than anyone else. They were the ones that weren't going to class. They were the ones that, that fully took advantage of their freedom. And that's what was happening in the early church. Those Jewish Christians who had been raised in a very restrictive environment now found freedom in Christ. And they said, well, there's really nothing that we need to do then. We just trust in Jesus and that's that's it. Just trust in Jesus and that is it. And so they began to live their lives as if it didn't matter what they did. They were freed from the law. And so they didn't have to keep any commandments. Again, if you read through the book of Hebrews, it says faith alone, faith alone. And again, we certainly affirm that. But I think that James clarifies the teachings of Scripture just a bit. I don't think that that James is standing in opposition to, to the book of Hebrews. I don't think that James is standing in opposition to the Apostle Paul. I think James is showing the other side of the coin. Whereas we say that we have faith, James is saying it's not real faith if it's not lived out. If it's not lived out. So what is, what is real faith? According to James, what is real faith? Well, real faith is more than just an empty confession. Real faith is more than just an empty confession. There are some in our day. Some folks in the church that would say, all you have to do is believe in God. I've heard that so many times. If you believe in God, well, well then that's, that's enough. Just, just believe in God. And, and if someone says something that even hints that they might believe in God, well, then automatically we consider them a Christian. I mean, during this, during this season of this election, how many times have we heard a politician end their speech by saying, and God bless America. Uh, that's a symbol, by the way, that they are, obviously, they are obviously faithful, faithful Christians. 
You see, we, we think that if somebody just says that they believe in God, that's, that's, that's enough. Over 50 million Americans consider themselves born again. How many times have you driven down the road and, and, and you've seen a Christian bumper sticker or you've seen a, a, a fish, a Christian fish symbol on the, back, on the back of a car, but the driver of that car is screaming and yelling at others, honking on the horn, uh, waving, a, waving an angry fist at other, at other folks. How many people... How many people do you know that would confess Jesus with their mouth but would deny him with their lives? God help us. Verses 14 and 19 of chapter 2 of the book of James. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? In the original Greek language, this is, it uses a verb tense that denotes a negative answer. In other words, what, this, this would, this would be, maybe be a, a, a good translation. Um, such faith can't save him, can it? If someone has faith but has no work, surely such faith can't save him, can it? And absolutely. A faith that is not lived out, it is not saving faith at all, James says. James continues, you believe that there is one God? <laughs> Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not about believing in God. It's not what faith is all about. You see, we have this mindset that all it takes really is, again, a belief in God. Just like somebody can believe in a unicorn, if you believe in a God, that's enough. Larry Flint, the publisher of Hustler magazine, he claimed that he was a born-again Christian, but his life didn't change a bit. Adolf Hitler. And everything that the Nazis did, they did it all in the name of Jesus Christ. They claimed that they were Christians. Oh, they believed in God. But as James says, you believe in God could. Even the demons believe and shudder. James is telling us that it is more that is more than just simply having an empty confession. Being a Christian brings about a change in our lives. If we have not seen a change in our lives, we must ask ourselves if we have real faith or not. So again, I would just simply ask you this morning, have you seen faith? Have you seen your faith change your life? Are you different today than you were a year ago? Are you different today than the day that when you knelt at the altar and you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Is your life different today than it was then? Real faith transforms us and changes us. It is not just simply some sort of, uh, some sort of empty confession. It is not just simply saying a sinner's prayer at an altar. It is not simply, uh, simply an empty knowing the four spiritual laws. James says that if we're going to have true faith, real faith, it is going to change us. We're going to be changed. 
when we have real faith. Another thing that James says, real faith is more than just fake compassion. Real faith is more than just fake compassion. You know, I've, I've seen lots of folks in the, in the life of the church, and they have been moved with tears of, of compassion. I've seen, uh, I, I, but, but they haven't done anything about it. Absolutely nothing about it. I've seen them moved with compassion when a, when a moving story is told in the life of the church. I have seen them moved on compa- by compassion on Mother's Day more than anything else. But then they have never done one single other thing about their faith. They have sat in the exact same pew for year after year, for decade after decade after decade, and they've never lived out their faith. God help us. God help us. James writes, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, be, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? It's absolutely no good at all. It's absolutely no good at all. You have done no good for yourself, and you have done no good for that person. Real faith is not simply false compassion. Real faith is about genuinely caring for others. It's about genuinely caring for others. A few weeks before the coronavirus shut us all down, I was at the grocery store. I'd picked up a few items from the store, and as I was coming, as I was walking back to my car, I saw, I saw an elderly couple. The, the husband was in a wheelchair, and the, the wife was, was pushing um, the cart, and the cart was absolutely full of supplies. It was, you remember back when, I mean, we were all making runs on toilet paper. We were all making runs on every egg that we could find in the store. Well, that was, that was when this was. Uh, they were making a run on everything. They knew, they knew what, was, what was coming, very likely. And so they had filled their entire basket full. And so I watched them as I was walking in my car. I watched them kind of struggle. Uh, the cart was there at the back of the van, and, and the, the wife was helping her, hus- her husband try to get into the car. And I went ahead and, and made my way to my car and got in my car, and I looked over at them, and um, this passage of Scripture popped into my mind. Um, what good would it have been had I driven by them, waved a big hello to them, and said, God bless you all, but I hadn't helped them a bit, what good would it have done anyone? So I got back out of my car, and I went over uh, to the wife. This, our grocery store is not the safest store I've ever been to. In fact, it likely was not really safe for her to have her groceries unattended at the back of her van. And so I went up to her and asked her if I could, if I could help her in any way. Uh, she was hesitant to, uh, to, uh, to accept my help, but I told her I would, I would help her to get, it, get, get him in the car or help her with her groceries, and uh, she said that would be okay. And so I helped her load those groceries into, into her car, and I wished them, I wished them well and, and um, went, on, went on my way, and she went on her way. Again, had I done nothing other than waved by waved when I went on by and told them, God bless, I wouldn't have done anyone any good. 
It's not fake compassion. It's genuinely caring for the needs of others. When we see needs around us, it is living out our life in such a way that we're helping care for others. And it's not just helping care for others that can love us back. You know, we do, we do a pretty decent job of doing that. We do a pretty decent job of loving our family. They love us back most of the time. Sometimes we struggle in loving people who can't love us back or being kind to people who can't be kind to us back. It's why, dear sisters and brothers, it's, it's not just because I want us to help those who are the least and the last and the lost. I want us to live out our faith as we reach out to the least and the last and the lost. True faith is about is about clothing the naked. True faith is about giving, giving food to the hungry. True faith is reaching out to the least and the last and the, and the lost. Compassion. True compassion and genuine care. That's what true faith is all about. Likewise, real faith is made perfect in our works. In verse 20. Oh, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made complete, or his faith was perfected in what he did. I find it interesting that James uses both Abraham and Rahab, two fascinating characters in the Old Testament. These are two of the characters that is used that are used as illustrations in the book of Hebrews as proof that people are saved by faith alone. James uses these and says, oh, indeed they had faith, but they lived out their faith and their faith was perfected in what they did. Their faith was perfected in what they did. Some people, some people, God help us, some people believe that faith is simply coming to church. In fact, I've, I've, known, I've known some people who have been a member of churches well over 50 years, and they have never done anything about their faith. They have never taught a Sunday school class. They have never served on a committee. They've never helped bag groceries. They've never served the poor. They've never reached out to the homeless. They've never reached out to the poor and to the oppressed. They've never helped provide a funeral dinner. They've done absolutely nothing for 50 years, and they have, waste their, they have wasted their time at church. God help us if we ever would be counted in their midst. You see, faith is made perfected in what we do. Our faith is made complete and whole in what we do. When, when, you, when, when we feel called by God and we follow that call and live out our faith, our faith is made perfect. Our faith is made perfect and is complete when we engage in risk-taking mission. Not just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Not just continuing to sit in our pews and just be spoon-fed year after year and decade after decade. No, instead, our faith is made real. Our faith is made perfect when we step out in risk-taking mission. 
You know, over the years, there have been a lot of things as a pastor that I've had to do that I didn't want to do at all. To reach out to people who look differently, differently than me. To reach out and, 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 to, and to minister to people that were from a completely different background than I had. People who were, I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest, I had, never, I had never met a homeless person before I was appointed uh, as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Oklahoma City. I'd never met a homeless person. And I'll be honest, over the first few months, it was really, really hard. My heart just simply broke every time, every time I came to Friday Night Live. My heart broke for these folks. I had no idea how to reach them. I felt like I had absolutely nothing to offer them. But then it hit me. I absolutely have something to offer them, and that is the love of God through Jesus Christ. It's risk-taking mission when we put ourselves out there, when we boldly share the good news of God through Jesus Christ. That's when our faith becomes real. That's when our faith becomes complete and perfected, when we reach out in risk-taking mission. Faith without works is dead. Just as a body without the Spirit is dead, Faith without works is dead. Live out your faith. Every day, live out your faith in compassion and kindness and risk-taking mission. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.